goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us, 800-848-9222. Andrew Giuliani is here. Thursday is Andrew Giuliani time. We speak with Andrew every week. I look forward to the discussions. Andrew, before we get to you, I'm going to just run through a few headlines of stuff that uh, I have here in a stack. If you turn on Andrew's mic, because if he wants to interrupt at any point and comment on this, fine. Absolutely. Here and excited to join you, James. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Here's headline number one from Fox. Uh, Trump defends himself on the stand. Blast E. Jean Carroll trial. This is not America. Let me give you the quick lowdown on this. Donald Trump testified. Three questions. Okay. He was asked whether he saw his deposition played in court. He replied, uh, yeah, yes. And he didn't say, yeah. I said, yeah, he said, yes. Okay. <laughs> Second, he was asked if he stands by his statements in the disposition. He said 100% yes. And third, he was asked if he ever threatened Carol in his tweets and social media posts. No, I was only defending myself from what I believe was a false allegation. The judge in that case, who, by the way, would not let him have any time off to attend his mother-in-law's funeral, very mean-spirited, uh, struck his statements that went beyond a yes or a no answer. Well, James, you Trump, know, sorry. This says this is not America. Well, yes, Andrew. It doesn't surprise me considering what we've seen out of the Justice Department. But take it for a second just how absurd these allegations actually are against him, right? Yes. The whole thing going into the Bergdorf Goodman as one of the most famous men in the world at the time and doing what they claimed, what she claimed that he did in a dressing room, which... Knowing the man for 25 years, I could not imagine, I mean, that I couldn't imagine in my wildest dreams. So take that aside for one second. To me, one of the biggest pieces about this, which shows just how much this is full of you-know-what, is the fact that she does not provide a date for Trump to be able to say, hey, you know, I was actually not in the city of New York on that date. She is basically taking his opportunity to present present potential exculpatory evidence and handcuffing him and doing that. And it's kind of the same thing that Blasey Ford did to Kavanaugh and saying, look, I don't remember when this was, um, but I just know that it happened uh, this, you know, this year. And thankfully, Kavanaugh actually had his calendar, but it sounds like Carol's being even more vague than that. So to me, that's another example of how just they're not allowing him to present potential exculpatory evidence. I hope at some point there is a fair trial and this stuff is thrown out. All right, next headline. Agreed. Peter Navarro, trade advisor to former President Donald Trump, who helped lay plans to keep Donald Trump in office, was sentenced Thursday Here's the headline, Navarro was sentenced four months in prison for stonewalling Congress in January 6th inquiry. That is in, headline comes from the New York Times. Got four months. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. How many months did, uh, did, uh, uh, Eric Holder get when he refused to answer subpoenaed information from Congress? Uh, zero. (laughs) Zero. Same thing with Hunter Biden. Same amount of time. They've got absolutely nothing. And by the way, those were committees that were traditionally put together 
by Congress, right? When you look at the January 6th committee, McCarthy, who was the minority leader at the time, did not have the opportunity to present, to, to put on his members of Congress on there. Let, let me just say one thing about Peter Navarro, because Peter Navarro was one of kind of my closest mentors in the White House and somebody who I looked up to and somebody that I've stayed in close touch with throughout this. Peter Navarro saved so many lives because he was one of the first people in the White House, in the administration, to actually start talk about what COVID-19 could potentially do. And he was the first person to say, you know what, we need to shut down the border from China. And you know what Anthony Fauci said that day? I I never forget this because it was actually my birthday in January of 2020. Anthony Fauci said there's no need to do that. That's overreacting. We don't want to cause alarm. Same thing with Burks. Same thing with all the health officials. And Navarro got into a massive blowout, one of the many that he would get into for that. So he saved countless lives and bought America a lot of time. And he was a guy who was right time and time again in that administration, whether it came to trade, whether it came to the COVID-19 virus, or whether it ultimately ended up coming to what I believe were the information that he presented with regards to the 2020 election, what the American people deserve to see. They deserve to see that. Whether you agreed with it or whether you didn't, you deserve to ultimately see the evidence presented. And that's what Navarro was doing. Okay, next headline comes from the dailybs.com. The dailybs.com. <laughs> that would be my website. Group sues federal government wants taxpayers to cover sex changes for transgendered veterans. Uh, I mean, need that spelled out. Here's the deal. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, after your service is done, you're done. A group representing transgender uh, veterans wants the government. Doesn't matter when. Hey, their veterans pay for their sex change operations. How about we worry about uh, how about we worry about all the veterans that are homeless now? How about we spend our time, resources on that, I think we deserve to do that for veterans here. And, uh, you know, it's uh, one of these things to me that's kind of wild when you think about it, um, how I think you talk about 19 veterans a day on average die from suicide. How about we give them the mental health resources necessary to do that? Look, I'm a big believer in uh, small, limited government like you. When it comes to our veterans, we should make sure that they have the resources necessary to be able to live a fruitful life outside of the war zones when they come back to the United States of America, that we protect them the way that they protect us and our constitutional republic. Um, we should be focusing on that, not this. And by the way, as an aside, um, very, very happy to see the Ohio House and Senate. That was in the, the stack. Yes. You that beat me stack? to it. Oh, yes. man. Okay. I got it. Again. Okay. I'll read the headline. <laughs> Go ahead. From the dailybs.com. F blank, blank, blank. The Ohio Senate. Leftists lose their minds after state lawmakers override veto, ban child sex changes. Just uh, Democrats and liberal activists on social media outraged. After the Ohio Senate overrode a veto of a ban by Republican Governor Mike DeWine, by the way, uh, banning uh, transgender medical procedures for minors. And now they are pissed. They are writing one of these advocacy groups, the Ohio Women's Alliance Action Fund, wrote in the post. She spelled out the word F, the Ohio Senate. 
who voted 23 to 9 to override the veto. Well, so now Governor Mike DeWine, who I think wanted to have it both ways, he knew that if he objected to this bill, it would be overridden because they had the numbers. Mm-hmm. So he goes on, look, I'm trying to be the, I'm trying to be the, the, the Republican in the room that's the adult that's, that has, uh, uh, you know, I'm very, very, very concerned about all of this. So he's trying to have it both ways, knowing that the law was going to get passed anyway. That's my take on it. I don't know what yours is, Andrew. I, I don't, you know, it, maybe, maybe that was it. I, I don't know what he was thinking. I, I just put it this way, and, and when I look at this issue in particular, and I said this on the campaign trail when I was running for governor, Look, if you're of legal age, and we can have a public policy and should have a public policy debate on what legal age is when it comes to this, because I've heard many people say, well, 18 shouldn't be legal age when it comes to this, when you can't drink an alcoholic beverage till you're 21, when a car rental company won't let you rent a car until you're 25 years old and you're making these decisions, even 18, 19 may be too young. But putting that aside for a second, I think that this is pretty pretty straightforward to me. If somebody wants to go and they want to cut here or they want to add there and they are of legal age, then the government shouldn't be involved in that. But when you start talking about minors and you start introducing this to minors, this is the this is blatant child abuse. That's what this is. Yes, blatant yes. child abuse. That's we used to, Rush Rush had names for those operations, by the way. Rush used to call the one the, the first one an addictomy and the second one the uh <laughs> Chop a dick off me. So that's what he used to call the operation. <laughs> that's why he's the best. That's why he still is the best, you know? <laughs> Next story up. Get this, Andrew Giuliani. Get this, listeners of Boast Thirdly's Rush Hour here on WABC, especially a pay attention residents of the state of New Jersey. If you are in New Jersey, stop what you're doing for a quick second and listen up. New Jersey now wants to, Democrats and liberals in New Jersey, want to end all out-of-pocket costs for women seeking abortions. They want the government to pay every single, there's legislation afoot. Governor Murphy says New Jersey will always be a safe haven for reproductive freedom, period. I'm asking you to join me to do more to protect reproductive rights the right to uh, uh, to terminate your own human offspring. And so they want all out-of-pocket costs to terminate babies taken care of by the taxpayers of New Jersey. Planned Parenthood of New Jersey is supporting this as well as the uh, high end of the Democrat Party. Okay, Andrew, your take. You know, and this is probably the wrong guy to, uh, to to get in your mind when it comes to this. But I'll tell you what popped right into my mind when you were saying this right here. And it was Bill Clinton, believe it or not, on the campaign trail, I think in 1992, saying that abortion should be safe, legal, and, and rare. rare. Remember that? Safe, legal, yes, and rare. Yes, indeed. And safe th- and rare. And to think just how radical the Democratic Party has gone in the last 32 years since that, when you have... Governors, sitting governors talking about potentially infanticide. And now you're talking about public funds and using public funds universally to fund abortions. It is radical just how far they have gone when it comes to killing our most vulnerable. And by the way, his wife wants to be the senator of New Jersey. Planned Parenthood video calls virginity made up. 
and not inclusive of queer people. That story today also in the Daily BS Planned Parenthood released a video yesterday arguing that virginity is a completely made-up concept. And they complain that the term virginity, which they say is a completely made-up concept, leaves out queer people. I don't even know what to say to that, Bo. I don't, the only thing that I can tell you that's on my mind is I'm signing up right now for the Daily BS because you've given me a lot to think about with regards to this. It's, uh, when you're talking about Planned Parenthood and the disaster that they have caused in our country, I think really in so many of the inner cities, when you look at, uh, you know, for so many kids, you know, minority, uh, parents, I mean, it's, it is really, really terrible to see what they've done. And this is just again, and I know I said radical before with regards to abortion, but I mean, how could you be making this argument that somehow virginity is made up? And it just shows that there are no sacred cows. There are no sacred cows at all, right? I mean, uh, it is, it is amazing to me that this is something. What, what was your take when you read this, Bo? My first take was there are going to be a lot of terrorists who are really disappointed to learn <laughs> that they are not going to get the 70 virgins because the virgins are made up. That was the first oh, thing I thought of. Oh, my goodness. They're not going to get 70 <laughs> virgins, and they're not going to be in heaven. Uh, it's, you know what? You, you're right. You're right again. Bo, you are absolutely right again. I, uh... Amazon Prime, Washington Post, as doomsday predictions dissipate. Biden aids savor booming economy. The according to the Washington Post, Jeff Stein, President Biden's top advisors this week are launching a new aggressive push to tout the economy's strength, hoping to flip what has long been perceived as one of the president's biggest political vulnerabilities into an asset. Accompanying story on this, Andrew, comes from ABC News. U.S. economy exceeds expectations in latest quarter, boosting hopes for avoiding recession. We had two other uh, uh, stories, one in the Amazon Prime Washington Post, the other New York Times earlier in the week, about how Americans are feeling fine about the economy. Everything is great with the economy. And then there's this pesky little story that, that Fox News put out about a CBS news anchor who went and talked to people outside a New Hampshire grocery store, and nobody that he found, nobody feels good about the economy. (laughs) So, Andrew Giuliani, here's the question. Who's lying to us? The people that say the economy's great, that's wonderful. If they're savoring how wonderful, wonderful the Biden economy is, or the people who are actually going in the store shopping and buying stuff and come out, There's nothing good about this economy. Who's telling the truth, Andrew? Uh, Look, this is a complete rebranding. Let's just ask your audience. I mean, you basically can determine yourself. Was the economy better then under Trump or under Biden? Think about your Thanksgiving. Think about Christmas. Think about all the things that you've had to spend more of your discretionary, not even discretionary, necessary income on. It's crazy. And this is just a complete rebranding from Bidenomics. One of the things, though, that I'm keeping an eye on, and I know I've talked to our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, uh, people much smarter than me have, have kind of tipped me off to this, and, and I agree with them. Um, it would not surprise me if the Fed looks to give Biden as good of an opportunity as possible in an election year 
to be able to say your economy, this messaging is actually working. So I would expect just from a political standpoint, not looking at this from an economist standpoint, but from a political standpoint, it would not surprise me if rates get faster than what uh, cut get cut faster than what Wall Street has put in. But this is a complete farce. It's a complete farce. We've seen this, right? Gas went up to a record $5. Now it's around 3 a little under $3 or something like that. It's still up 45%, 50% from where it was under Trump. Look at what it is for eggs. Look at what it is for gas. It's up 30 40%. Same thing with your Thanksgiving dinner, your Christmas dinners and all that stuff. So guess what? Inflation's at 3% now. Guess what? It's still higher than it was, 40% higher than it was under Trump. And it was at 9%. So the economy, it's still inflating too fast here, just not inflating as fast as it was a year and a half ago. So don't buy the BS is what I would say. Well, but get the daily BS. Now, um, I've already signed up. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) They've all turned their backs on her. Last story, Andrew. They've all turned their backs on her. (laughs) Nikki Haley is coming to a homecoming in a hostile state. All her friends in South Carolina, they're poor Nikki. Nikki's done so well. Nikki's standing up to Donald Trump, and now she's coming home to South Carolina, and all the people that should be supporting her, they're not supporting her. Her home state is hostile to Nikki. Oh, no. What's What's Nikki going to do, uh, Andrew? <laughs> home sweet home. Isn't that the multi-billion dollar question right now? What does Nikki do? What's her next play in all this? It's tough to imagine these numbers changing at all from South Carolina. Trump right now has a 37, 40-point lead, mattering on what poll you end up looking like. And Nikki Haley's a known commodity there. She can't say, well, I'm going to introduce myself to South Carolina voters. They know her very, very well. If anything, I would imagine these numbers to actually go up for Trump than it is for Haley. The thing that I question is what is the play that she's making? Is she maybe going to try to stay in this longer, thinking that she could play a chip for vice president with President no. Trump the longer she no. does this? So that's the thing that I no. get concerned about. What no. do you think? What do you think? Follow the money. Money, yeah. As long as there's campaign money and she can bank more money in her campaign war chest, even for the future, she'll stay in. When it becomes, when the money dries up, she's out. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. I also would follow that VP thing as well. But the, look, hey, money talks. Trump is not going to have this woman as VP. Forget about that, Andrew. She has illusions of grandeur. She has illusions of grandeur. I'm just telling you. She doesn't have common sense like you and I. Okay. (laughs) You know who this is, Andrew? This is uh, Nora, Nora, Nora Jones. Jones, Jones. Okay, I got the first one. I got the first one. I'm you not were so like, close. I'm not like you and Diego. I'm not the savants when it comes to music over here. That's why. That's why I listen to you every day at Four Bow, so I can pick up these important musical nuggets on top of all the political expertise. Well, on this day in 2023, Nora Jones' debut album, "Come Away with Me." Was at number one on the U.S. charts. Eleven months after it was released, it would stay there for three weeks. This album, that year, won Grammy Award of Album of the Year, Best Pop Vocal, Best Engineered, Non-Classical. The song, this song, this song, which blew my freaking mind the first time I heard it. I said, "Who is this woman?" And this song is dope. Well, I think this it's song won Record of the Year. Yeah, twenty twenty zero. You said you said twenty twenty three. You meant two thousand three. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm getting old. Okay, but still, no worries. 
27 million copies sold of this bad boy. I went to see her. How was that? Oh, her concert was good. It was hot. It was steamy. She was awesome. <laughs> good line, and you know who like her half-sister is? Who? You don't know? Her no, half-sister is an Anushka. Anushka Shankar. Oh, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. Anushka, know that, yeah. Anushka is like an incredible musician from the other side of the world, too. Andrew, always a pleasure. Uh, Bo, always a pleasure to be on. Sign up for the Daily BS as well. Wonderful. On that happy note, ladies and gentlemen, a few words from our sponsors. Coming back, your call is coming up, too, later today. Let me tell you what we have on. This show is packed. Todd Benzman is going to be here, Center for Immigration Studies. We also are giving away tickets. If you were here yesterday, you know that today you will have a chance to win tickets to see the Doobie Brothers. And Steve Winwood is opening up for them in August. We also are going to tell you about another ticket giveaway that will happen on the Saturday morning show. So you want to keep it here and you don't want to leave. Don't know why I didn't come. I don't know why I didn't come. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Dancing Queen, Abba, brings us back. Hey, you know, you know you like when I warn you. But I like seeing the smile on your face when the song starts playing and you know it and you start grooving. Oh, yeah. I thought it been, yeah. Stig Anderson was born this day. Swedish songwriter, producer. He co-wrote some of Abba's biggest hits, including this one. Knowing Me, Knowing You, Waterloo, Mamma Mia, S.O.S. And then, of course, this song became one of my favorites when Paul Shanklin... Did it over as a parody for the Rush Limbaugh show, which we have in our library, I believe, Diego. Banking Queen Paul Shanklin. This is the mighty Paul Shanklin. Rush used to play this. What this song was about was the crisis, the housing crisis. Barney Frank was the head guy in the house in charge of that policy. You can build, you can buy any house your heart desires. Zero down. I am the banking queen, says Barney Frank. And this, of course... One of the biggest scandals in America, giving people money for houses that they could never afford. Yes, right. Get your house, use it. Go ahead, abuse it. Go ahead, you can do it. And that's 
Paul Shanklin with his impersonation of Barney Frank, Banking Queen. We're coming back. We got tickets. We got tickets. We got more on this edition of Boast Nerdy's Rush Hour right here on WABC. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's time. If you were yesterday listening to our program, you know that today we are giving away a pair of tickets. To see the Doobie Brothers on August 6th. You will go to see them at the PNC Art Center in New Jersey. For those of you who want to know, yes, Michael McDonald will be performing with the Doobie Brothers. Yes, we checked it this morning. Michael McDonald is going to be performing. Well, now I want to go. Yeah. And not only that, you get a chance to see the Doobies. You get a chance to see Steve Winwood, who's the opening act. This is going to be a blow-the-house-down concert. You will have your ticket secured even before they go on sale. They go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., Set a reminder, set an appointment in your phone, your smartphone, for a few minutes before to check into LiveNation.com. That's where the tickets are going to be tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. But right now, if you are the seventh caller to the Boast Early Rush Hour here on WABC, you will have a pair of tickets if you are the seventh caller. 800-848-WABC to go see the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald and Steve Winwood. Seventh caller right now, 800-848-WABC. And guess what? We're not done. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. You be with us on Saturday morning. There will be a chance for you to win tickets to see Air Supply in August. At the New York CB Theater, Westbury tickets on sale. Now, you can go to LiveNation.com now and get your tickets to see Air Supply, Saturday, August 10th. You can also listen to Boast Nerdly's Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC and pick up a pair of tickets on Saturday to see Air Supply. Tickets galore, baby. You have Doobie Brothers right now. 
And those tickets go on sale again tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Live Nation. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Air supply tickets, part of the show. All brought to you by WABC and our brilliant sales staff. Let me know when we have a winner so I can tell people to stop calling. We have a winner. We have a winner. Okay, guys. If you didn't make it, if you're not that person, over. We have somebody to go see the Dewey Brothers. Yes, Michael McDonald will be with the group. All right, in a few minutes, we're going to catch up with Todd Herman. He from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd Herman, let me just say, um, Todd Binsman. Todd Herman's a friend. I was about to say, I have the wrong number if it's someone else. Yeah, yeah. It's Todd Herman used to sit in for Rush. Todd Binsman, he's out in, in Seattle. Todd Binsman is Center for Immigration Studies. And I have said this about Todd Binsman. I will say it before. Todd Binsman is the foremost journalist when it comes to American immigration in this country. You will see his stories everywhere. You will see his stories at the New, at New York Post, the Daily Mail. Fox News picks up his stories. We pick up his stories. Everybody picks up his stories. He would win a Pulitzer Prize. This is a guy who actually goes there. He goes to the southern border. And then he goes to the southern, southern border of Mexico. And he is absolutely brilliant. Let us, talking about the border, connect with Sandra in New Jersey here on WABC, who has been holding. Sandra, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, James? Just fine, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I wanted to talk about the um, the, uh, the the ruling that the Supreme Court made for Texas, you know, to, to cut down the wires that were so effectively working for the very frustrated people in Texas. And, um, you know, governor, well, he, we, the governor is wanting to put it back up. I think he might even be doing that. I'm not sure. Gre- governor but, uh, Greg Abbott, yes. And there have been reports that they're still putting up barbed wire. <laughs> in so, defiance so of the Supreme Court ruling, yes. So will they get in trouble for doing that? That's what I want. Well, listen, there is a very famous case in American history, perhaps you've heard of it, where the president of the United States said, okay, Supreme Court rule. Now let them go out and enforce the rules, the law. The Supreme Court is not enforcement. Now, could there be, this is headed, and, 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 and Abbott, by the way, today is saying, look, the federal government has broken its compact with the states. This is about the self-defense of Texas. This is a crisis. We do not know where this is all headed. But on the line with us right now is America's, and I said it before, I'll say it again to his face. He's here with us. America's preeminent journalist. When it comes to matters of immigration, there is nobody like this man. This man goes to where the story is. He doesn't sit down and write about it from a thousand miles away. He's there. He's talking to the people involved in it. He covers all of the angles. He does his research. In fact, he has a book that is just so powerful about the entire immigration story and what's happening now. He predicted what was going to happen with Title 42. 
Todd Benjamin is on the line from the Center for Immigration Studies. How are you, Todd? I'm doing great. Thank you for that introduction. You have a story out now that people can find at the Center for Immigration Studies. The U.N. budgets millions of dollars for U.S. bound migrants in 2024. You and I have talked about this in the past, but please tell people why you wrote this story and the highlights, what it's about. Well, uh, for the, for starters, the United Nations has set up a really uh, wide-ranging and very deeply established network of way stations all along the mass migration routes from Latin America, South America, all the way to the uh, Texas-Mexico border. And people kind of forget that this network is providing all of the daily needs, a a safety net underneath uh, the mass migration route that uh, lots of Republicans believe is making this possible that maybe it would be far less severe if the United Nations was not down there providing uh, all of this assistance. And by that, what I mean is uh, there is a new document. They updated their budget document. It's publicly available, by the way. You just have to find it online. They published a 130-page update for 2024, what the United Nations is going to be doing on the migrant trails leading to our border. And they envision spending $1.6 billion in aid and assistance to 3 million migrants who are on their way through or in 15 different countries of Latin America, the Caribbean, and Mexico. Um, To break it down a little bit more, it's not just, you know, helping out people who got sick along the way. It's, It's providing transportation humanitarian transportation, tens of millions of dollars to put people on buses, trains, taxis, minibuses, whatever, to move them across borders. The document knows, it it, it wittingly uh, knows that uh, all of these uh, folks are either in countries illegally or are going to be illegally crossing borders, but they don't care. They just don't care. Um, They're providing uh, $379 million in cash, debit cards, uh, in envelopes to 624,000 immigrants who are en route to the U.S. border. Millions and millions of dollars in food all along the way, supplies, uh, you know, hygienic needs, uh, providing something called protection from cartels, from uh, smugglers, from crime, uh, providing shelter, millions and millions of dollars in shelter, hundreds of millions of dollars in rental assistance. Shelter. You mentioned shelter. Okay, they have allocated 27, this is in your article, $27.5 million earmarked for 161,000 travelers coming in from Colombia. Another $22.5 million for 179,000 coming in from Ecuador, 18 million for another 165,000 coming in from Peru, and a paltry 4.3 million to help 33,000 people coming to us from Mexico. 
all of them. You said this is adding up to 3 million people when you look at the numbers. Now, Todd, in earlier reporting, you predicted the number of people that would be in the United States during Joe Biden's tenure. How many illegal immigrants have crossed the border during Joe Biden's watch? How many people are here under Joe Biden who pretty much walked through our borders, came through the borders because of the Joe Biden administration policies? Well, we believe that about five and a half million people are in the country and in the country to stay after crossing the border. Uh, this was this includes before Title 42 and after. So before Title 42, there were many more that came to the border but got uh, turned around. So altogether, we think about uh, close to, to nine and a half, ten million have actually hit the border, uh, which is just an unbelievably ionospheric number. I mean, we just have never had anything like any close, anything close to that. And in past years, it would be maybe 400,000 or 500,000 in a typical year, not 3 million like we just had in 2023. And it looks like it's going to be another banner year in 2024, aided and abetted by the UN, which by the way, receives the, the vast bulk of its funding from the U.S. taxpayer. So we're funding so the United own. States taxpayer is funding the U.N., who in turn are funding illegal immigrants to overrun the United States border. That's right. And 248 nonprofit migrant advocacy organizations are handing out the, the food and cash and, and aid and, and everything all along the, the migrant routes. Um, and those are named uh, in the in the document. Uh, the next time that we're together, and I hope it's fairly soon, I want you, please, Todd, to go through for listeners of this program what the asylum program is all about. We keep hearing that these people are coming here, these illegal migrants, for asylum. I want you to illustrate the next time we have a chance to get together from front to back what our asylum program is all about and what a sham this entire asylum debate is. Now, before you leave, let me tell people where they can get your book. The book is called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Security Crisis in U.S. History. I have it here in my hand. This book stays in my studio at all times because this is one of the most important books for people to understand the full scope of this crisis that has taken this country in, and right now, city after city are dealing with it. Overrun, how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in U.S. history, and uh, you can find that wherever you purchase books, and you can find, uh, where can we find you, Todd? Well, I'm on X, uh, Benzman Todd at X. I also have an account at Getter and Truth Social. Uh, you can read my uh, UN story at cis.org, Center for Immigration Studies.org. That's my employer. Uh, I also published that piece in the New York Post a couple days ago as well. That's out there. Just uh, go to our site and you'll, you'll find that. And uh, you can read the links, including the names of all the different organizations that are involved in this. Todd Benzman, thank you so much, and we look forward to catching up with you soon. And it's time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs, ladies and gentlemen, on Boston Airways Rush Hour. Told you we had a lot to cover today, and we have a lot. Who is this, Diego? 
This is Casey and the Sunshine Band. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, my God, I can't find it. Wait, hold on. Uh, it doesn't matter. You'll tell us later. There it is. There it is. Okay. Uh, Robert Finch turned, um, has a birthday today. It was born in 1954. Uh, singer with the American disco and funk group Casey and the Sunshine Band who had the 1975 U.S. number one single, That's the Way I Like It. We don't have it in the library. That's why we're playing this. And um, a bunch of well, other we like hits get down tonight, know. And I was getting down tonight back in the day. This was just as big as That's the Way I Like It. This was their second hit. And this thing, this thing was killer. Also, one of America's preeminent songwriters is out here. Her name is Mondorava Churchill, Miss Churchill. She, well, one of the things we've been discussing on Texas that Steve Winwood is the opening act for the Doobie Brothers. Steve Winwood is a headline act, folks. This is going to be a bang-up show. On WABC Talk Radio 77, checking in with Lou Dobbs and then your phone calls. Keep it right here. You hear? Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 1964, number one record, the first of many for the group that would become the iconic music group of the century. Number one in Cashbox magazine music charts on this day in 1964. The Beatles break through with I Want to Hold Your Hand. Birthday day two for Alicia Keys. Happy birthday, Alicia Keys. From all of us here at Boston Early's Rush Hour on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. We start in Pennsylvania with Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Welcome. You're on Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. Oh, I love your show. Thank you so much. I also, can I just make one quick comment on, on your last caller? Of course. Because I help the homeless at, and disabled homeless and especially disabled homeless veterans who are living in the woods and just totally misplaced because the, all the immigrants have come in and taken the hotels and taken any, the funds that would help Americans who have worked their lives and we're taxpayers that just need a little step up. They can't get it anymore because of the immigrants. Wow. And we are so, you know, Curtis Lee has been doing amazing work with this, too. Curtis has some video out of him in the subway stations with people, Americans, homeless, seeking shelter against the wind. And they can't, as you say, find any resources because the resources are directed for people that are not in this country legally. Barbara, thank you so much for your call. Alan in Orange, how are you, Alan? Welcome, you're on WABC. 
Hey, Bo, how are you? Good. Okay, really, qu- really quick. Here's an angle about immigration that's never discussed uh, that I've heard by anybody, and that is that the immigrants in coming here, and if they're going to keep coming here, are using uh, resources that are not discussed, like electricity, gasoline, food, water. Where are the Green New Dealers in all of this? How about that? Thank you, Alan. I'm going to tell you something else. In coming here, they also deprive their own nations of the chance for them to have change in their own nations. Dig that. Think about that. Let's go to Robert in Brooklyn. You're up next on Boston Nervous Rapid Phones. What's up? Yeah, well, number one is uh, Chief Nerd. The Chief Nerd tweeted out that apparently now the FDA, they passed a rule where they could experiment on us without our consent if it's supposedly like minimal exposure or something like that. So now they're going to be able to experiment on us without our consent. And the other thing I wanted to point out is you have all these demonstrations, especially in Germany, by the farmers, because you have people like crazy people like John Kerry, who until recently was the climate czar for the United States, who declared war on agriculture. And we need agriculture to live. They declared war these crazy climate people against carbon, and we're carbon. Boom. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about it for today. Here we are at the end of the show already. If you were on hold, couldn't get to you, so sorry about that. We had God willing tomorrow. May God bless, protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we're back tomorrow for the Friday edition of Boston Early's Rush Hour here on WABC. Saturday, radio extravaganza, giving away tickets for air supply. Until then, my friends. Bye.